Hello and welcome to Mental Awakening, the podcast that explores all topics related to trauma recovery, mental health, chronic pain and healing. I'm your host, Sarah Dakili, psychotherapist and mental health social worker. And in this episode, I will be speaking about embracing vulnerability, why we do everything we can to avoid it, and how it can hold the key to our physical, emotional, and mental freedom. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of this podcast with me. Today, I want to talk about why it is so important for us to both understand as well as embrace our vulnerability. Now, vulnerability is not something that's comfortable because often it's seen or felt as uncertain, risky, and emotional exposure. It's that unstable feeling we get when we step out of our comfort zone or do something that makes us feel like we are more exposed or that we don't really have control. As children, we're wired for connection. And we also are quite fragile and small and helpless and dependent on others for our safety, for our survival. And so we end up doing everything we can to adapt, to cope with our environment and to survive it, emotionally in particular. And if you look at life, if you look at the world and yourself through the lens of your adaptations, you start to see that we all have these pathways in our brain that have been designed to protect us from painful memories from a very young age. There's these encoded pathways in our brain that have basically been um, strengthened throughout life experience that are doing everything to keep us safe. And these brain pathways are full of memories from the things that happened when you were hungry, when you were angry, when you were scared, when you were longing to be held as a child. You know, what was happening in those moments? What happened? The look in the eyes um, of your caretakers or your parents their facial expressions, what would happen whenever you had these needs. So that information gets stored in the brain. Those brain pathways, they end up becoming a big part of your design. So the way that you end up operating as you grow up, as you become an adult. And what happens is also that because we were so vulnerable, because we were helpless and dependent as children. Um, There's obviously things that we also went through that were very painful. So for a lot of us, we reject this connection between the past and the present to cut off that pain, right? Because we learn who we are through the way we were treated. So if you were not treated in a way that was loving, regulated, and safe, then your brain is going to do everything it can to actually keep you safe from those painful memories, from those painful emotions. And obviously, emotions are things that come up again and again and again, right? We, Especially when we get triggered by something. 
And a lot of people reject this idea. They reject this connection between their past and present. They want to cut off from that pain and they actually automatically cut off. They kind of go, well, what's the big deal? There's no point in going to the past. What can I do about it now? What's the point of remembering or feeling all that old stuff? People can also become quite overwhelmed when they start to discover or even reflect on the harm that they experienced from their childhood. That passivity, that victimhood, that vulnerability. And so that's why a lot of people disconnect, they dissociate and they often live in that frozen state of the nervous system where we're not really connected to who we are or what we really feel. We end up being in chronic state of dysregulation, going from feeling frantic and flighty and anxious or um, fighting the world and people around us to you know, being quite uh, frozen and disconnected and dissociated. This is where vulnerability comes in. Because the only way that we can actually teach our brain that everything that we feel and everything that we've been through and everything that we continue to get triggered by is actually safe. It's not a tiger chasing us. It's an emotion that is bringing up feelings of being threatened, feelings of not being safe. So the response that we have is actually involuntary. There is this inner mechanism designed to protect us from pain. So even though mentally you might not remember a lot of things that happened to you, your body remembers, right? The body knows and the way it knows is pretty much the same way it remembers how to ride a bike. You remember, but you don't really know what it is that you remember. So as a child or a baby, whenever you were distressed, if your parents had the tools, had the skills, had the knowledge or information to be regulated themselves and to meet you from that place of regulation, then you would have learned how to self-soothe. You would have learned that actually when I'm emotionally aroused, it's okay, right? So you grow connections in your brain to reflect the confident expectation that what goes up is going to come down. And you live with that unconscious assurance that your feelings are not going to drown you, that it's okay to experience, you know, discomfort in the body, to be uncomfortable, and that it's not something that's considered a threat. But on the other hand, if you were mostly ignored or if your feelings were criticized, punished, shamed, if there wasn't any emotional availability or parents who were self, who knew how to self-regulate, who were regulated themselves, and you were often left too long to kind of stay in that state of stress as a child, which is when that's, you know, the stress hormones increase in the body, then obviously, automatically, your body and your brain is wired to escape from anything that brings up feelings of arousal or emotions that are incredibly stressful. So to feel vulnerable is to die. When a child isn't soothed, those feelings escalate and the brain kicks into that kind of emergency mode. Our feelings, our emotions, you know, as children become flooded and there is this constant need to escape that distress. And 
there's been times I know in my own life as a child there were many times where the stress was so intense and there was so much of it that I would go beyond that feeling of um, I guess fight flight and I would get stuck in that frozen state that's when the brain shuts down and the child kind of appears calm but is actually numb and this frozen state mimics death and it feels like death to a child's brain it's primitive and it's powerful and what happens is that these mechanisms they remove the felt sense of terror in the body and if you experience this repeatedly again and again and again then this becomes a pathway in the brain it becomes a conditioning and so what happens is the brain will make a link to vulnerability emotional vulnerability being a state that pretty much equals death right so the repeated cycles of overwhelm end up building these connections deep in the brain below conscious awareness prompting us to avoid any signal or anything that reminds us of those really devastating early experiences as children that's why whenever we do anything that makes us feel vulnerable, we tend to either avoid, distract, disconnect, dissociate, or even self-sabotage because we just don't want to feel those feelings. We don't want to go there. And this is all, as I said, below conscious awareness. It's not something that you're conscious of. And a lot of it comes down to attachment and attunement because attachment is a biological command, right? To have closeness at all cost with the people that care for us. This is how we're wired biologically. It's so deeply wired into us, you know, that it overrides all of our other needs because as children, we're so helpless, we need our caretakers we need others to take care of us and if you really observe children you'll see that they will often jeopardize their own survival to get a parent back they can stop eating they can stop drinking they can stop sleeping you know they'll scream they'll run into traffic they you know can do all kinds of dangerous things or chase after an abandoning parent to preserve that attachment bond i know for me growing up and for for those of you who've been listening to previous episodes of this podcast i went through you know quite a lot as a child and there was a period in my life where we were homeless as a family we didn't really have anywhere to live and my mother was sick and unwell and she was hospitalized and my father had a drinking problem and was an alcoholic at the time and I would spend every night until 12 o'clock midnight watching TV and then after midnight I would run around the neighborhood because we were staying at this dodgy hotel trying to find him knocking on doors trying to find him in other people's houses as he was partying because he was obviously not well himself and I was in tears and I was desperate 
to have him there close to me, even though he was not at all safe for me and he didn't feel safe. Having that attachment to him because there was no one else around meant everything to me. It was a matter of life and death. I actually put myself in a lot of dangerous situations trying to maintain that connection. So as children, we need our parents close, right? And a lot of it is not just physical, it's emotional. We, we long to feel safe with them. We long to be seen by them, to, you know, to, to feel felt by them. And this instinct is so wired into our survival that it sets us up to be hurt when our parents fail, you know, they fail us in their attachment duty. Because we can't make them be present for us emotionally. We can't make them be there for us. So crying, protesting, um, refusing to eat, refusing to do a lot of different things. All of these things are different ways that the child is trying to guarantee that emotional connection, right? Trying to maintain that. But nothing we do as children actually guarantees it. We need them and we can't make them come. And that's a really vulnerable place to be in as a child. That's a painful thing to experience as a child. Children are just so incredibly vulnerable. And I think as adults, we often forget about how vulnerable we were as children. It's almost like we need this kind of awareness. We need to become more attuned and connected to our own emotional needs, to our own self-soothing, to really understand how it would have been for us or how it was for us. As children so even as babies we can sense our parents emotional tone you know it's not just about meeting our basic needs we want them to want to come to us to want to take care of us with warmth with interest so that we can feel safe we can feel secure we can feel loved if a parent comes to us but they're impatient they're angry they're emotionally empty we're going to feel alone. We're going to feel afraid. We're going to start fawning, which is the state of the nervous system where you try to please and appease and actually make the parent feel better so that you can feel safe. And these are the things we take into adulthood, right? These are the things that we take into our relationships where we either become avoidant or we become anxiously attached. So how is all of this connected to vulnerability? Well, first you have to understand why vulnerability has felt so threatening for us, right? You have to understand why we often see it as a weakness and why it makes us feel exposed or it makes us feel like we're at risk. I know for me, whenever I feel feelings of insecurity, whenever there's things like comparison that comes up for me or different parts of me that get very loud. So it could be the part that gets anxious, the part that gets overwhelmed, the part that needs to fix or has this sense of urgency to fix my problems or the different challenges in my life or times when I start to experience shame or grief or anger. All of these things that 
are triggered by the various thoughts or experiences that I have in my life, they make me feel vulnerable. And every time I have felt that sense of vulnerability, there is this experience of unrest in my body. So I start to feel incredibly tense, tight. I start to feel achy. I start to feel unsafe from within myself. My body and my brain literally do that automatically. If my relationship is challenged and I want my partner to love me more, or I want my partner to respect me more, or I want to make sure that my body always stays healthy and I don't want to get sick and I want my dog to live forever, I want my mom to live forever, then all of these things obviously bring on feelings of vulnerability. Yet we can't really guarantee any of these things, right? There is nothing in this world that you can fully guarantee. Vulnerability is reality and it doesn't feel good. And so because it's mistaken for danger, we end up avoiding experiences that are meant to deepen our capacity for living fully. Experiences that actually help us embrace this journey of being human. We end up avoiding feeling and we end up avoiding getting to know our authentic self, our authentic truth. And a lot of people also avoid healing from the past because of their fears of vulnerability. So what's the answer here? How do we embrace vulnerability and make it feel safer? I always tell my clients that this is something that we have to do from within and we need to do that by going into our body. We have to use our body to actually come home to ourselves. Often we tend to disconnect, we tend to leave our bodies and we actually need to do the opposite. We need to pay slow, close attention to what's happening inside ourselves when these experiences arise, when these emotions arise, when that state of vulnerability arises. And we have to meet it with warm interest in a way that's non-judgmental so that the body recognizes that there's no danger. We have to get into those sensations that we have been avoiding, distracting from and dismissing. We have to be with the discomfort this is something that requires us to slow down, to become more mindful, to practice mindfulness as well as somatic exercises. And I always, you know, share that the best thing you can do is work with a therapist that you feel comfortable with. I offer these services to anyone around the world and I love doing this work. I love, you know, helping people as well as implementing it myself. I like to think that I'm not just doing the work, but I am being the work because I truly believe that doing the work is not enough. We have to eventually become the work and implement everything that we're learning. Information consumption is not really the answer. It's a beginning. The answer is the implementation of what you learn. So accepting our human limits, 
staying present with the discomfort of the vulnerability with that state of unrest in the body is really the practice here. Even though every cell in your body wants to either fix the problem, run away from the problem, disconnect from the problem, fight the problem. I think in our world, we have this incredible fear of uncertainty. We just haven't accepted, especially in the West, that life is uncertain. We long for certainty, we long for control, and yet our world doesn't have any of that. We're not practiced in the art of surrender. We're not practiced in the art of trust, both self-trust as well as trusting in life. And I know that all kinds of horrible things happen in this lifetime. I'm not by any means dismissing that. I know that the human mind is very much wired to take action and to control things. But I believe we've lost our balance in that. I really believe that we've come to a point in this world where our practice is really to slow down, to tune inwards, to connect more with the part of us that is beyond that survival brain. When we pay attention to our bodily sensations, we actually start to become incredibly powerful because it's a form of mindful awareness, which is incredibly effective in soothing our nervous system. Interception is the term for the inner sense that permits us to become aware of what's happening inside our bodies. Interception is how you experience yourself from the inside. Heart rate, your hunger, your thirst, your temperature of your body, your breathing, your muscle tension, fatigue, that's interception. And it's like a superpower. We have to actually become curious about it. We have to become interested in it without judgment to those sensations. And the more you pay attention to what's happening inside your body, which is actually one of the things that we can do in meditation as well, the more we are training and teaching our brain that all of these sensations within us are safe. And initially, it's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to face yourself. It's uncomfortable to be with the different sensations in your body. But this state and this feeling of discomfort or unease or dis-ease is trying to help us to wake up to the truth of ourselves, to embrace our humanness fully, to learn how to soothe ourselves as opposed to avoiding ourselves. And this is how we can actually practice self-compassion, which in turn helps us to get back to a state of love where all healing happens. That's when our energy aligns. That's where our body is at its strongest. That's where we're vibrating in a higher frequency. However, if we continue to avoid vulnerability, if we continue to just ignore by telling ourselves that it's nothing to minimize what we're experiencing, to distract ourselves through shopping and food and scrolling on social media or over-exercising, overworking or focusing on other people, 
then what we're doing is brushing off that vulnerable inner experience. We're neglecting our body's signs of stress. And the same goes with things like control and worry. You know, looking for certainty and control in a world that doesn't really offer us either of those things. We notice that we're uncomfortable and we try to control the world and ourselves to stop feeling that feeling. We keep asking ourselves, what if, and imagine all the ways that things can go wrong. We self-attack. In childhood, we often learn that vulnerability leads to abandonment, especially because we're often, most of us anyway, have experienced moments of strong emotions on our own as children without anyone present to actually help us understand what we were feeling. So we can grow up becoming very hard on ourselves and attack ourselves in our own minds. If only I try harder, if only I was smarter, if only I looked better, or if I was more attractive or stronger or more patient or more whatever, then things would go better. And these are just lies and they create a harsh inner environment which leads to um, some really deep-seated low self-worth feelings and emotions and even depression. And we can also masquerade our emotions as a way to avoid feeling. So for example, if anger was not allowed in your childhood environment, you might actually just look sad or become passive aggressive instead of feeling that anger, instead of expressing that anger in a way that hopefully isn't too damaging. If sadness was regarded as weak, you might appear as angry and push people away when you feel sad. These are all different ways that we avoid feeling our feelings, that we avoid vulnerability. But there's incredible value, like I mentioned so far, in getting in touch with our emotions. It actually enhances our relationships. It makes us feel so much better physically, emotionally, mentally. We experience less mind-body conditions. We experience less stress. We learn how to regulate our nervous system. We learn how to feel safer in our bodies. We learn how to be more authentic and resilient. We're not made to detach, to go numb, to avoid and distract from pain and the beauty of life. We're actually meant to really embrace all of it. The vulnerability that exists within us is our strength and it will help us grow. It's vulnerability that I believe to be the key to our growth. Because without vulnerability, we can't transform. Vulnerability is a skill that we can practice. And I really encourage you to give yourself permission to embrace that. To tell yourself that you're human, that no one's perfect, that everything you feel, you have a right to feel, you're allowed to feel. To really get curious about different ways that you can actually embrace your vulnerability. Because it really does enhance your sense of courage and your sense of resilience. I'm going to leave you guys with a couple of points on how to embrace your vulnerability. 
I think it's really important that you get very curious about yourself and seek to learn about yourself, especially about your feelings and sensations and emotions. So instead of saying, I'm anxious, why am I anxious? This shouldn't be happening. Practice saying, I notice that I'm feeling anxious right now. And just get curious about what that feels like. Wow, interesting. So when I'm anxious, these are the things that actually happen inside my body. These are the thoughts that I think. A really good way to practice what I've been talking about in this episode is to expose yourself to things that actually make you vulnerable. Take chances that might lead to rejection. Talk about mistakes you've made. Speak about things that are difficult for you. Emotions such as shame, grief, fear. Be honest about what you need in your relationships, whether it's work or personal relationships, and make sure that you also include your boundaries and expectations. These are all things that help us embrace our vulnerability and helps us practice that. Vulnerability requires us to be more authentically ourselves, to drop the mask to be vulnerable is to actually love yourself fully. To know that you're an imperfect human being and there's something really perfect about that. To be authentic means to make peace with everything that comes up from within you. And all I can say is from personal experience, that is when I feel my most powerful self. And that is also when I can show up for others from a place of love, from a place of compassion, from a place of understanding, even though that may be boundaried, vulnerability enriches our lives. Yes, some people may reject us. Yes, some people may drop out of our lives. Some relationships may end. And at times we may be subject to things that are incredibly painful to realize what we need to realize, to perhaps implement boundaries or um, to become more aware of certain dynamics and certain needs. But it always, always, always leads to connection. Connection first and foremost with yourself, with your authentic self, and connection with truth, your truth. And there's nothing more liberating than that. All right, everybody, that's it for today. Thanks again for tuning in. If you would like to work with me, please visit mentalawakening.com.au. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, press the like button and share it with those whom you may feel will benefit from it also. I look forward to speaking to you all soon again. Until next time, take care everybody. Bye for now.